On the night of November 19th, I waited outside a nondescript building in the old Medina of Fez, Morocco. I was traveling around the country with Sakura Camposanto. Sakura is a singer-songwriter from San Jose, California. She previously served as a Peace Corps volunteer in Morocco, and she recorded her first album in Fez during her Peace Corps service. Three years later, she was invited back to Morocco to perform a series of concerts in seven different cities. I went along to document the trip. Fez was the final stop on the tour, and that night Sakura played the only private concert on the schedule. It was at a shelter for orphaned girls in Fez. Despite months of planning, the concert was delayed. The door was locked, and no one inside seemed able to find the keys. We waited outside in the dark, narrow streets of the Medina. So where are you from? I'm from California. Hotel California? Would you say Hotel California? Just You're not stuck in there? No, I'm not stuck in a hotel. California. <laughs> you managed to escape? Yep, just Good. a little bit. Eventually, we got into the building. An American volunteer who worked at the shelter led us to a room filled with plastic chairs. A small sound system was set up at the end of the room. Sakura took out her guitar and asked me to help her set the volume levels on the sound system. Maintaining a journalistic distance was not possible on this tour. I wore many different hats along the way, from personal assistant to technician to driver. As we finished setting the levels on the sound system, the girls began to file into the room and take their seats. started the performance and it wasn't long before all the girls got up out of their seats and started to dance together in the center of the room. Shelter staff and volunteers looked on from outside the room. They wore complex smiles as they watched. For this brief moment, the girls seemed carefree and happy. I wish I could take a photo, said Bonnie, one of the Americans who worked at the shelter. Bonnie explained that taking photos inside the shelter was forbidden by royal decree. The decree was partially intended to protect the girls, but it was also intended to limit publicity of the condition of the shelter. Though things had improved over the years, the shelter was not a particularly healthy environment for young girls. Bonnie said that there was certainly no vetting process for entry into the shelter. Orphaned girls who were still trying to attend school were mixed with girls who had committed crimes but were not old enough to be sent to prison. It was simply a place to put random girls who had no family and nowhere to go. As Sakura wrapped up her performance, the girls lined up to get small bottles of Coca-Cola at the back of the room. It was another rare treat. Sakura was anxious to leave, so Bonnie asked her adopted daughter, Hajar, to take us back to the guest house. Hajar led us out of the performance room and through the dark corridors of the shelter. We carefully stepped over piles of rubble near the main entrance and walked out into the narrow, confusing streets of Fez. How old are you? Oh, nice. 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 Nice.
<laughs> Hajar had grown up in the girls' shelter. Like all the girls, Hajar could not remain at the shelter after her 18th birthday. But Hajar was lucky. Bonnie had adopted her. I found the application for the university, oh. and they will answer me in January. Which oh. school? Minnesota? Oh, okay. She was finishing high school and she had applied to university. Hajar led us from the girls' shelter back to our luxury guest house. The girls' shelter was quite a change from the typical audience at Socorro's concerts in Morocco, which was mostly composed of privileged university students. The contrast seemed fitting. It reminded me of something Socorro had told me when we first arrived in the country. She said that Morocco was a country of contradictions. You're listening to the Posh Core Podcast. This episode is entitled Contradiction. You know I loved you from the moment that we met. I knew it was going to be something I would regret loving you. What a silly thing to do. We arrived in Morocco on November 8th. We picked up our rental car from the airport, but we realized that we didn't know how to get to the hotel in Casablanca and we didn't yet have a Moroccan SIM card for our phone. I flagged down a passing worker outside the airport and attempted to ask for directions in French. It had been five years since I last spoke French, and I failed miserably. Luckily, Sikor's Moroccan Arabic came back immediately. She got vague directions and we started toward the city. We got lost in Casablanca on the way to our hotel. The traffic in Casablanca is completely chaotic. We meandered through city streets for hours, looking for any sign of our hotel. It was beginning to get dark, and I considered stopping at any old hotel for the night just to get out of traffic. Luckily, we happened upon a Starbucks and their Wi-Fi saved the day. We emailed our contact in Casablanca, and she came to the Starbucks to rescue us. So much for my persona of seasoned traveler and citizen of the world. I was just another American stereotype, saved by Starbucks. Sakura's concert had been organized by several of the American language centers in Morocco. The centers had originally been founded by the U.S. Embassy in Morocco. Then, in the 1970s, the centers had been unified under a non-profit body. The American language centers in Morocco teach English and foster cultural exchange between the peoples of Morocco and the United States. Sakura had worked with several of the centers during her Peace Corps service. On November 9th, we went to the ALC in Casablanca. Our main contact at the ALC was an English teacher named Sonia. She met with us to go over the schedule for the tour. I had agreed to do some photography and video work for the ALC in Casablanca, but Sonia was still curious about my willingness to travel around Morocco for two weeks. She asked what I was hoping to get out of the tour. I had been asking myself the same question. Of course, I was hoping to get a good video out of the trip, but I knew that it would be challenging. Concerts in themselves do not make for exciting video. In truth, I knew that there was a good possibility that a story might not emerge from the trip. It occurred to me that I had never truly understood my own reasons for wanting to go along. I just had a strong feeling that I shouldn't miss the tour. Maybe I also wanted to better understand Sakura herself. Though we had been working together for two years, she still seemed mysterious to me in many ways. It was evident in all my interviews with Sakura. She was a master of evading questions and changing the subject. I mean, I like the I love the A's, but I don't want them in San Jose. Really? The Oakland A's. Oakland A's sounds okay, but San Jose A's. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. So they wouldn't call it that. They'd say Oakland A's and San Jose. It just doesn't make sense. Okay. Don't make this stuff. So this is your first time back in Morocco. Yes. Can you um, can you tell me why did you decide to come back here? I got invited to come back. Can you <laughs> tell me the story of how you got invited to come back? Yeah, I was talking with uh, David Amster from the American Language Center in Fez, and we had been going back and forth for a while about me coming out and doing like a tour or doing some concerts for the ALCs, and they offered to sponsor the trip, so um, I asked for the time off, and here I am, yeah. and we're doing a tour of not all of the ALCs, but I think we're doing seven, so I'll just have to come back and do that for the rest of them. Yeah. Bummer. <laughs> what was your thought when you first got off the plane? Like pure exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> um, but honestly, it, the weirdest thing, and I've been saying this for the couple days we've been here, is that it's weird to me how not weird it feels being back. That night, Sakura taught a songwriting workshop to some of the ALC students in Casablanca. One of the students really stood out. His name was Muhammad, though his nickname at the center was Bruno due to his slight resemblance to Bruno Mars. Muhammad hoped to be a professional musician. He attended all of Sakura's events in Casablanca. And um, what are you studying at, at school? I'm studying economics. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And what do you want to do when you're finished? Actually, I don't want to work. I want to do something in music, you know. <laughs> oh, perfect. I want to go uh, outside my country, yeah. go travel. So when you do start uh, traveling around, I assume you want, when you you want to become a professional musician yeah. like Sephora? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Why, why not more more than that? I, oh, okay. I want to do I want to do my own albums and put them on iTunes. And, oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. And then do you want to travel around doing touring and stuff? Yeah, like yeah, that? yeah. Cool. That's the laugh I'm dreaming of. Yeah. Sakura <laughs> performed at two small towns outside of Casablanca that week. On the night of November 13th, she played her first big show of the tour at the ALC in Casablanca. After her performance, she invited some of the students from her songwriting workshops to come up and perform as well. Some of the students sang a cappella, others played Johnny Cash. Muhammad played Eye of the Tiger. The show was a huge success. It took place at the ALC Cafe which wasn't large enough to accommodate the hundreds of spectators. Students were crowded around outside the entrance. They were blocking my shot, but I couldn't feel too upset. The mood was jubilant. I felt lucky just to witness the scene of Americans and Moroccans so thoroughly enjoying each other's company. But as we celebrated in Casablanca, Paris was under attack. A series of coordinated mass shootings and suicide bombings in the French capital killed 130 people and injured approximately 350. The perpetrators were European citizens engaging in jihad with the assistance of the Islamic State. The next day, the Islamic State released a statement to its followers, claiming responsibility for the attack. The intended targets of the attacks were so-called crusaders and apostates. According to the Islamic State, crusaders are Westerners and non-Muslims, and apostates are Muslims who turn away from Islam. In issue 7 of Dabiq, a magazine published by the Islamic State, apostates are defined as those Muslims who coexist with Westerners. 
Dabiq refers to these Muslims as the Gray Zone. The attacks in Paris were part of the Islamic State mission to make Westerners fear and distrust all Muslims, thereby eliminating the Gray Zone. On November 14th, as I struggled to understand the French newscasts on television, I couldn't help but reflect on Sakura's tour. Sakura, an American Catholic feminist, was traveling across Morocco, performing rock and roll music for Muslim students. We were in the very heart of the Gray Zone. But there was little time to think about it. We had a schedule to keep. We left Casablanca on the 14th for a brief concert in Marrakesh, but we couldn't stay long in that tourist paradise. We were on our way to Oujda, at the very edge of Morocco. Oujda is about 15 kilometers from the Algerian border. It's more conservative and certainly less touristy than Casablanca and Marrakesh. Oujda's claim to fame? More mosques per capita than any other city in Morocco. During her Peace Corps service, Sakura used to travel to Oujda once a week to run a music club for students at the American Language Center. And so when you were in Peace Corps, you, uh, you did some work at the American Language Center in Oujda. Yes. Can you tell me how that happened? I don't even remember. I don't, rem I don't remember how like, I met some of the people. I, met. I don't remember how I met Rick, who is now the director of the Casablanca Center. I, I just, I, it escapes me, but um, yeah, he asked me to do a music club and every week I'd just like pick a topic and we'd just discuss the topic. And it was, for me, my intent was just to help them talk about something that they really liked, which was music with a native speaker. What was your favorite thing about running a music club? Um, that the students really enjoyed it. Because I think so, I think often, you know, as Peace Corps volunteers, like we have, you know, these very hopeful big ideas and like try and start these clubs and everything. But if the desire doesn't come from within, it, it doesn't work. I mean, I feel like that's with lots of things everywhere, not just Peace Corps, but volunteers, we almost seem like notorious for having that attitude and then being really disappointed with the result. Um, so that's what I kind I liked about it is that the students in the club, like they genuinely wanted to be there. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a required thing or, or anything like that. So it was really fun. It was also fun to hang out with people who were a little bit older because in my village, I just hung out with like children and then people who were older than me. On November 16th, we traveled to Sakura's Peace Corps village, Gafite. Sakura was nervous. She had been coming up with various reasons not to visit over the last few days but I couldn't imagine skipping one of the most interesting parts of the trip. Luckily, we were in contact with a Peace Corps volunteer who was currently serving in Gafite, and she was expecting us. There was no avoiding the village. Okay, so this is the village. There's a river, it's a farming village, so there's like almonds, apricots, mint. Uh, I used to stop at that little store and get flour. Gafite is a farming village about one hour south of Oujda. The Udza River runs through the tiny village and makes the farms possible. Arabs live on one side of town, and Berbers live on the other. Rachel, the current Peace Corps volunteer, had been in Gafite for almost two years, and she was hoping to stay for a third. Rachel took us on a walk through the village. To me, the place looked idyllic. It was a lush green oasis in the middle of barren scrubland. 
Sakura and Rachel were lost in conversation, exchanging information, commiserating about shared frustrations. Are there volunteers in Figi? Yeah. Yeah. Have Two you been girls. down there? No, I'm planning on doing like a weekend trip with the Burkhan guy. My name is Rachel. I live in Yafite, Morocco, which is near the Algerian border, near Wusha. And I'm a Peace Corps volunteer with youth development. Youth development is very, very broad. So we can do a lot of different things, but here in Gafite, I mostly teach English, and I teach a girls' dance class, and I play basketball in the local souk town, which is where I buy groceries. Um, so what is, from your perspective, what's the best thing about living in Gafite? I think the best thing is my, like, how I can go to almost anyone's house and they'll welcome me in, and it's not weird. Usually the best days are just things like that, where I was over at my neighbor's house, and her little baby is one years old now, and she crawls over to me and always wants to be with me, and the women are just like, she loves her so much, like, oh, look at it, and like, those things make me happy, like, that like, people do like, care about me, and they see that like, their kids like me, and that like, obviously I'm not a horrible person. <laughs> Um, so, when, when you first come into Gaffite and we walk around down by the river, it looks like this idyllic place because it's like, it's in the middle of the, it's like literally an oasis, you know, it's yeah. like in the middle of this sort of deserty scrub area, and mm -hmm. there's all these farms and you know, beautiful river and green things. Um, and so, when I'm walking around it, I'm sort of like, oh, this would be like the most wonderful place to be volunteer, but I'm sort of looking at it from my perspective as a male, mm -hmm. um, what are the special challenges for you in, in this village? Um, most men don't want to work with me. It's just like, very, it's very separated here. Men are with men and boys and boys, girls, girls, women, women. And so a lot of the women don't work outside the home. And so working with women is very difficult because very select few are out in the community. Sakura uh, has told me several times like the most difficult thing for her was dealing with harassment. Have you had issues with that yourself? I've had more harassment not in Gaffite than in Gaffite. Um, I've had a few issues with some men, and it's very difficult when it's men that I know, and I know their children, so I can't really say anything to anyone because it's a very tight-knit community, and I'm, I'm not a very wannabe center of attention, even though I'm a little bit RDM since I'm the only foreigner here. but. Other towns, it's a whole different story. They're a lot more braver there than they are here, since it is a smaller community. Yeah. So there's a lot of yelling in different languages, inappropriate things, touching and other inappropriate things. Yeah. Has it uh, changed the way that you approach your service in any way? Um, I don't know if it changes the way I approach it. I think I've had... Um, anxiety problems with men and being in crowds with predominantly men because like I said it's mostly men that are out and about but like I said I don't have as much harassment in gaff fight so with working with men here if I have to I usually am not working with men I don't have problems with them yeah. um, is there anything that you wish people knew about your village or about Morocco about you um 
I know with all of the things going on in the world right now, people are a little bit biased or just not accurately informed on what people are like in the Middle East or North Africa. People are so incredibly hospitable here and they treat me like one of their own. I know like if one of them were to go to America, like they're not going to have all these invitations to come to houses all the time and be brought food on the regular unless it's a really small community. Where I live, that wouldn't, <laughs> that wouldn't happen. This might be one of the last, uh, one or, there's one or two others, I guess, but um, it might be one of the last uh, Peace Corps countries in a Muslim country uh, because mm -hmm. they closed Jordan, Jordan recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you ever had any thoughts about that or do you think it's, it's important for Peace Corps to be in Muslim countries? Or? I think it's very important just so people can get a glimpse back home like what it's like living in these countries and that it's not like all war-torn terrorist everything that's shown on TV these these days and just for people here to see that not all Americans like hate Muslims or Arabs or whatever I know for me like I take a lot of pictures here for my family back home so they can see just so they can see that these are people, like they're living their lives, they're working, they have their families, they have weddings, they go to the store, they're cooking, they're normal people just like us. And yeah. They're taking me to, into their homes. Um, like I said, Moroccans are some of the most hospitable people I have ever met. Um, that's it. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. No problem. We didn't stay long in Gaffite. Sakura's former host family was traveling, and there was no one else she wanted to visit. She was anxious to get back to Ujda to prepare for her show, so we left after a few hours. Rachel came along. She was hoping to do more work in Ujda over the next year, and Sakura's show was a good opportunity for networking. Hello. How's everybody doing? Good? I see some of my old friends from when I used to live in Gaffite. They're here. This is a Bill Withers song, Use Me. The show in Ujda was held at the American Corner, an American-style library and computer lab. Well over a hundred people attended the concert. There weren't nearly enough chairs. Spectators were lining the walls and crowding around outside the door. The audience was rowdy and excited. After her performance, Sakura again asked if any of the students would like to come up to the front and perform. Next stop on the tour was Tangier, where Sakura performed at the American Legation. The Legation was the first public property owned by the United States government outside of the United States. The building was the U.S. consulate in Morocco for over 140 years. The Legation is now a museum, though it is still a very fancy formal venue. 
Sakura arrived for the show wearing a flannel shirt and a stocking cap. She said that she felt ridiculously underdressed. I told her that as a rock star, she's expected to dress informally. After Tangier, we made our way to the last stop on the tour, Fez. Fez is the oldest city in Morocco, and we stayed in the old Medina, Fez el Bali, established around 1200 years ago. We stayed in a traditional Moroccan Riyadh, a lavish house with a central courtyard. There wasn't much time to relax, though. Sakura performed at the girls' shelter only a few hours after we arrived. The next morning, we got coffee at Café Clock. Sakura had performed at this café during her Peace Corps service. We talked about the performance at the girls' shelter the night before. So how do you think the concert went last night? The girls' shelter one? Mm -hmm. Um, it was... It was... It was kind of, in, it was interesting. I wish that my Arabic was, like, detailed enough where I could talk to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, I was kind of just, like, background music, which is totally cool. Yeah, it seemed like it, uh, like, the emotional aspect of the place, like, struck you immediately, you know. But, like, I, it didn't strike me until afterwards, like, when we were having dinner with, uh, what's the, what's the with girl? Hajar? Uh, the girl who was adopted by... Yeah, Hajar. Yeah. Like... Just the fact that she was adopted and now she's like just this totally normal teenage girl getting ready to go to university, you know. Yeah. And you compare that with the girls who are still at the center and maybe they're not going to get adopted. Maybe they're not going to have the same opportunities. It's like, oh my gosh. It's, because once they're 18, I mean, they, they have get, to leave the center. They get kicked out, yeah. And I don't, and so that's why it's like so important to me that, like, it's so exciting to hear that 24 of those girls are going, going to, school to school because... God, at least if you can read and write, you can do something. You can be a maid or something. Yeah. So, yeah, it was kind of just, you know, more PTSD about Morocco. But it's particularly that place, because last time I was there, I was on my way out. Mm -hmm. And I did a concert. And that was, we did it in the daytime, so the girls were able to sit outside. But I just remember walking through there, like, no blankets. And you know how cold, mm -hmm. you've experienced how cold buildings are here. Just, so imagine that with no blanket. Mm -hmm. And a shitty bed. It's like a prison. Yeah. And then, like, last night we were walking through and there's, like, the door, the lights didn't work and there's, like, cracked tile all over the floor. Yeah. Um, so that... I don't know. Uh, what is her name? Hajar. So, Hajar is, you know, she... She's probably going to be okay. But, like, what about the rest of them? Like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen to them. Yeah, I don't know. I just felt, like, this intense feeling of guilt, I guess. Hmm. Guilt. That's hard. That's hard to do. Especially on a trip like this where it's just like, yay, positive, positive. And then that was a positive thing, but it was just like in the most terrible way. But it's almost exactly what music is supposed to do. Like that's exactly what it what my like intention is. But it's hard to do that. <laughs> you know? Like yeah. it's great doing these tours with the ALC yeah. and, and going to the centers and meeting, you know, highly educated people. Yeah. But it's like in some way like like the power of music isn't that it's like getting that girl who doesn't understand probably a lick of what i'm saying to just get up and dance yeah we walked around the medina a bit but soon found our way back to the Riyadh. i spent much of the afternoon napping over the previous two weeks we had crisscrossed the country traveling over 2500 kilometers every evening we met and ate dinner with different local organizers and every other night sakura had performed a show and throughout the whole enterprise I had been filming, we were totally exhausted. 
On the evening of November 20th, as Sakura was preparing for her final show, I went up to the roof of our Riyadh to record the call to prayer. I had been trying to capture this audio for a week, but I kept missing it. The call to prayer had always been a bit earlier, a bit later than advertised. Finally, on my last night in Morocco, I caught it just in time. I thought about what was happening back in my own country. I had managed to find a bit of time to check the news that afternoon. The attacks in Paris had understandably shocked and frightened Americans, but the reactions from would-be presidential candidates were shocking. They were calling for a ban on Syrian refugees and a religious test to weed out Muslim immigrants. Some even went so far as to propose a Muslim registry in the U.S. And of course, they called for more guns. These politicians were doing exactly what the Islamic State predicted and hoped they would do. They were creating a divide between Muslims and non-Muslims. They were making a normal life of peaceful coexistence even more difficult for American Muslims. But as Americans were arguing over what philosophy to adopt toward the Muslim world, Sakura was out engaging with Muslims directly. Sakura, a Catholic, feminist, rock and roll teacher, was traveling through Morocco, speaking Arabic, encouraging young Muslims to imagine a future in music. Sakura's last performance of the tour took place at the Arabic Language Institute. After the performance, a cluster of audience members crowded around Sakura. One of them was a French woman who organized a music festival in Paris. She promised to arrange for Sakura to perform in Paris next year. I sat down in the corner of the room and watched Sakura chat with the audience. I realized that I didn't really understand her any better now than I had before the tour. She had a duality about her. She hated attention, but she had chosen to pursue a career in which people would be constantly watching her. She liked the idea of being down-to-earth and unpretentious, when in fact she was incredibly cosmopolitan, conversing easily with both progressive California hipsters and conservative Moroccan Muslims. Like Morocco itself, Sakura was incredibly complex. Too complex to be easily understood. Sakura was still an enigma, but I was proud to be there. Sakura was doing what so few Americans seem willing to do. 
She was not just posting her opinions on social media and hoping for the most likes. She was out in the world, living her philosophy. She was traveling back and forth across a huge, complex country, creating real friendship and understanding. Despite the fact that her Peace Corps service had ended years ago, Sakura's work continues. Thanks for listening to the Posh Corps podcast. This episode was produced and recorded by Alan Toth and Sakura Camposanto.